I just hear you going, hey man, uh, I got the meat sweats here. Uh, how you doing? <laughs> how you doing? And I look over at you and you're wiping your brow and you're wiping your face and I'm like, me too. Same. Same. <laughs> right. I have to tell you that like you, talking with you is probably one of the most exciting um, conversations and the most, what I was looking forward to the most because I know it's probably really weird for you, but when we worked together, I was so, I was young. I had, I had done some shows and everything, but like, I really did learn a lot from you. And I know it's probably really weird, but I, I really, really, truly did. And whenever anybody asks me about performing and timing and thing, and I just always say, you know what? I learned tremendously um, from Brett Barlow because when we were performing and you're the band leader, so you're in charge of the timing, you, I learned how to listen to the audience as a flawed. So when playoffs would happen, it was based off of if they're still applauding or not. And I would go to move and I'm like, Oh, I, I have to wait for the band. I have to wait for the playoff before. Right. I." And that was so yeah. incredibly important. And then taking those lessons after uh, Ringling brothers um, really helped me uh, to listen to the audience and not just, Oh, I'm doing a show and do the blocking. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Well, that's, that's part of it. You know, the, the audience is so critical. Right. As we as we're all finding out now. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, you, you can't really do shows without the audience. <laughs> no. Not really. Yeah. Well, you don't get that, you know, although if you're Saturday Night Live, I guess you can, I don't know. But that you know, it's just you um you need that interaction as a performer, I think, that at every level, whether right. it's you know, a, a third grade music class or Broadway, and right. every step in between, you need that. Yeah. How many, how many years total were you on Ringling? 23 and a half, I think, right at 23 and a half. 23 and a half right. And yeah. then when you do the calculations. Uh, no math. I was not told there was going to be math here. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, we're talking about, about 400 shows a year. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But, you know, right, right at maybe 10,000 shows. No, got to be more than that. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> well, I don't know. For 20 years, 400 a year would be 8,000. And then right. I guess another. So. And that, you know, that's not figuring in all the time that you work during rehearsals. And that's right. not figuring in at least one more a week for a, for a run through or a dress rehearsal. Right. Because we did full dresses for the first three months. Yeah. So yeah. like if we had, let's say, a 12-show week, that was just shows. Yeah. And that didn't include when we got into a new city that we did a full dress rehearsal, costume, yeah. do a run through. everything for the first mm -hmm. three months. And then, and then even after those three months, we did rehearse, full rehearsals, but not, um, but not dress. Like maybe, you know, but we'd still do the full run through, just no costume. Right, right. No this, and anytime we had a break, if we had a week off or two weeks off or you, or five weeks, you have to you have to reacquaint everybody with the whole process. But yeah, absolutely. You know, just uh, just like the circus itself. Every, you know, you got to figure every, every, I guess uh, after, after the New York opening of, of the Red Show, they would start working on the Blue Show. Right. You know, start working on that immediately, you know, and that had gone on for however many decades. 
Right. And I, I'm sure there were a lot of things that were in the works um, that just never, never materialized. And, and it's, uh, yeah, who knows? I, I can't really think of, I mean, there were acts that we would see like for the first couple of months of the show and then they would go away. <laughs> you know, think the acts that just weren't quite as advertised. They didn't quite yeah. make it, you know, and there, there was always one. It seemed like there was always one there for several several tours in a row. One act that made it into winter quarters, but it didn't make it out. Yeah. And and how different the show was when we started, and then, oh, we thought this was going to work great, didn't work at all. So then you got to come up with something else, and then it works, you know, really well. Well, you know what's interesting is in every live show and every performance, there is a huge growth. Even if you're still, if even if you're not changing the show, like the acts or the lines or anything, that the show feel has a different feel after the performers start doing it after a while. You know, it's like what what we opened with Zing Zang Zoom. When we closed, the show was completely, completely different. different. Yeah, even yeah. though it was the same acts, the same yeah. lines, the same blocking, the same everything, it was a different show just because every performer uh, kind of uh, fell into it. But I have a funny story that um, you'll remember. I don't. Well, you don't. Well, one I know you remember, but this other one I'm not sure if you do. So we'll allegedly. Check. Okay. So at the beginning of opening of Zing Zang Zoom, uh, you'd play the uh, national anthem. So I'd run up on the float, I had this pyro gun, and I'd shoot this comet, and this comet would go to the center ring. And we had all the pyro on the on the stage. It was the most right. exciting opening. I was like, right. it was I great. loved that opening because right. Right so cool. Well, that's how it was supposed to happen. <laughs> right? It was gonna be amazing. And then for whatever reason, this particular show, and you're my, you're on my left. You're on my left. Right. Yep. I pick up the the pyro gun, and I fumbled it because I'm giving lines and I'm like doing it, and I kind of just I don't look. I just pick it up and shoot it. Well, this day I was like, and I hit the button, and the comet goes sailing towards the bandstand. Yeah. Towards that? right, right at us. Yep. Right at you guys. Right at us. <laughs> and. Those comets, the way they work, right? Once they're on fire, they burn out. So the distance is determined how fast they burn. So like the longer the comet, it means it's going right. to burn 15 seconds or 10 seconds or three seconds or whatever it is. And that determines how far it goes, right? Mm -hmm. Well, this comet, so it's a disc, is on fire. And it hits the ground right in front of the bandstand. And you have this little wall that's like three feet high. Right. And it bounces off the ground, ricochets, hits the wall, flies like literally over your, like right over your head up. And you're like, you know, give it the, 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 the cues. And all of a sudden I see you go, <laughs> and the whole band, and I'm just looking at you and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I just shot pyro at you. Oh my gosh. I remember after I got off the float, I ran right by you and you looked at me like, cause you had your horn and you're like, <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's one, you know, it's one of those, uh, that's the beauty of live entertainment, right? It's like everybody, and the, the thing is when, when I would have people come visit the show, I would always tell them every single thing that you saw today, yeah, everything was intentional. It was completely intentional. We completely meant to do that. So I wonder if anybody thought, 
man, he shoots at the band every time. That's kind of weird, you know? <laughs> That's hilarious that you tell people that. You're like, yep, it's well, all part of the show. I would tell them, yeah, you know, it's like the tiger growls ex is right when he's supposed to. You know, the, right. the high winner guy that looks like he's going to fall off the wire, he's done that a thousand times, oh, you know? But, I remember that because I would base... It's funny because after you know those things, right, I would base when I'd see other shows, if a mistake was supposed to happen off of the crew, right? Not the performer, because the performers are always like, whoa, I almost fell. Oh, this happened. But if you see the crew guys sitting there like, nah, nothing, <laughs> nothing's happening. It's when the crew guys go, oh my gosh, then you know. <laughs> We had a performance director one time that was really good at at selling that. Like there would be something happening on the wire, and he he was just far enough out of the spotlight that you could still see him, but he wasn't in the spotlight. Right. And he would lunge towards, and it was so perfect. And you could you could watch the audience, and he would get he would get you know four or five people every single time. That's fun. That's a performer for you. Yeah, yeah, he was a former he was a former acrobat, and he knew how to. Yeah, he he knew exactly what was up. But it was it was yeah. fun. I remember one time the the ringmaster of the show when I first started, we were out in California somewhere, and he was singing uh, the national anthem at a baseball game, and he started too high. <laughs> he started in a key that was not his regular key. I don't know if he was just amped up when he got out there, yeah. but I was and I I was like, oh man, Rocket's Red Glare is gonna be. You know, this might be a Carl Lewis-like situation, but he he just dug in and just nailed it. But it was it was it was close. I was I was really sweating it for him because I knew for the like, whole I could, song. Yeah. So like, wait, he, so you can tell, so you can tell immediately, like if, if knowing a performer's range, like you're working with this guy for years, or you're working with this guy for a lot of shows, you know his range. And so as soon yeah. as he began the song, you could tell, ooh, he started Trouble. to write. Yep. Wow. Like, oh, this could be bad. <laughs> <laughs> See, okay, so here's something interesting that I never, that I associate a lot with music and magic. Um, because reading, people sometimes will ask me as a magician, they're like, oh, when you see another magician, do you know how they do it? Or are you always trying to figure it out? And my answer is, I'm not trying to figure it out, but I know how they do it almost 99.9% .9 of the times. And it's not because I'm trying to figure it out. It's because I can read magic, like reading music, right? Like you look at this piece of sheet music and you go, oh, I know what this is. I know what it sounds like. I know the tempo. I know, I know what this is. I sure. see it and I go, this is black. I don't know. There's black squiggly lines. I don't know <laughs> what it means. I don't really understand what this is or how you, whatever. I don't know what this is. Right. But with magic, it's the same way, right? Like, if I can read magic, quote unquote, I can watch a performance and not try to figure it out, but I just see the patterns, the way they're speaking, different uh, concepts and how to deceive people, um, different principles in work and in motion to pull off the illusion. And someone who can't read magic would go, how did he do that? You know what I right, mean? Right. Just yeah, read absolutely. I think there comes a point as a performer as, or as anybody that gains a certain level of expertise in anything that you stop watching the show and you stop watching for what you understand about it. It's mm -hmm. like when I was the performance director on Big Apple for a while, I watched, right. I, I would, because I would watch every show 
like I watched, I used to watch the circus. Like I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm watching the crew, watch how the crew, if I can tell if the crew is going to be behind setting something up, they're going to need more music here because they're five or 10 seconds behind, which is going to put them another 10 or 15 seconds behind here. Right. Yeah, I think, I think based on what you bring to every performance, that's how you relate to it. And that's how you watch it. Right. Right. No, that's absolutely true. Um, you know, when we were on tour, uh, like I said, working with the live band was so invaluable. Oh my gosh. It was just, I mean, anybody who hasn't worked with a live band, I didn't get it. Right. I didn't get it because before people would say, Oh, we're doing the show. We're going to have a live band. And it's like, so what? Like, I didn't really big deal. Why? Yeah. Why? Why would you have five more people minimum just to make it sound right. And then it's like, why don't we just put a CD on? Who cares? And after working right. with a live band, it's like, oh man, I'm, I miss that's that. That's why, right. <laughs> yeah, that's why. But that's true. I mean, like in certain parts of the shows where you'd had to vamp or, or, you know, something goes wrong and I'd look at you and there's certain times in the show where it's like, hey, you need to stretch this a little bit. We need 30 more seconds. And, yeah. um, and working with you directly to, you know, hey, here's the cue, here it comes and boom, boom. So it, it fit the music fit the performance and vice versa, the performance is fitting to the music. And so it had that cohesion, um, which makes an, a seamless performance and it, and it just enhances it as opposed to like, oh, shoot, I'm, I'm early. I have 30 more seconds of the track. With you, it's like, all right, ready, go. We can go. Right. Yeah, that's the, that's the, everything follows, everything follows the music. The lights follow the music. Yep. Um, the, the action on the floor, maybe, I mean, the performers don't, but the performers know that the music is going to follow them. I mean, I'm not going to play the cue for the guy jumping over the other guy on the wire until he actually jumps over. Yeah. You know, I'm not, <laughs> yeah. that's, and you can always tell how much, uh, the, the band's not really there for when everything's perfect. The band's there for when things aren't perfect. And in live entertainment, there's something every show that's just a little bit different. And that's why you need that. That was intentional, though. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, job security, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, that was fun. Now, every, every show, well, okay, so I had to wear an in-ear monitor. Yeah. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. So oh, I sure. Three packs. I had three packs. I had two mics and I had my in ears. And the in ears were allowed um, you to talk to me. And right. there was about four people at certain times that could. It would be you, number one. Then Monitor right. World in the back could say something to me. Then Front of House, which for most of our tour with Danny, could say something to me. Right. And then they got a uh, a set of uh, another like wireless mic that would patch into my ears from, from house for production manager. So right. at certain points, there was four different people that could talk in my ear. Now, of course, I can't say anything back. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it. I can't say anything back um, because I'm on mic and I'm in front of people. Right. So it made for some really interesting times. <laughs> and yeah. I, pr I, pr I have pride and I pride myself on the fact that 
I never broke. Like I was like, I never missed a line. I just yep. always hit it and you would say things to me and you're like, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. And I'm like, no, no, I'm professional. I'm going to do this. And one time, <laughs> do you remember what it was? Um, I don't remember, but I'm sure okay. that I will. Okay. No, you'll remember as soon as I say it. So again, at the beginning of the show. So during the show, you would say little jokes to me or say things and, and I'm, I might smile and I'd look at you after my mic was mute and I'd say, Brett, you know, and you're just laughing and having a good time because the whole audience has no idea what you're saying to me and I have to do my lines. So <laughs> this time my mom was visiting on tour. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. My mom was visiting on tour and you had known her and you know, this is probably year two or something. And Right, like maybe before the show earlier that day, my mom, because she's like me, she's like curious and she's like, can I sit in the bandstand? Like, I, I want to sit there right in the action. And you were like, so I said, oh, let's ask Brett. And you're like, yeah, that's no problem. Like I'll work it through. I'm really nice about it, of course. And, and I didn't think anything of it. So the very next show, so it was like the show before she was going to sit in the bandstand. I get up at the very beginning of the show, my ears are in and I say, ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages and <laughs> perfect. I see you at the mic and you turn around to the band and you go, all right, boys. So Alex's mom is going to sit with us tomorrow, like next show. And like just the way that you said it and the whole, like the band knew because the band could hear you talk to me too. Yeah. 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 So they knew that you'd mess with me and it was like this, I'm going to get you, I'm going to get you. And just the way that you said it, so his mom is going to sit with us. And I was like, and all of you, you got me. I completely flubbed my line. And the whole band goes, yeah. They finally got you to break, right? And I was like, oh, man, that was the one time, the one time. Right. Well, I would, I would try to do little things to every ringmaster to keep them loose, you know? Yeah. Because if you if you really think about what you're doing, and especially in the beginning yeah. of the of the tour, or you know, for big shows, you know, opening night in the garden, or or in L.A. or anywhere, you know, basically any big full house or if something's going on with you personally that you need a little distraction from, you need to kind of relax a little bit. And I would always do that, and even with my guys, like right before opening night. I would throw a half a dozen new changes and I would hold them back until opening night because I wanted them to, cause they're going to have a lot going on in their head and I don't want them to be tripped up thinking, Oh, this one thing is going to kill me. I've got to get this one thing right. So I would throw half a dozen things at them just to keep them kind of on their toes and help them be loose. Wow. Cause if you're, if you're tight, if you're, you can't, you're, you can't perform. People don't perform like that. You have to be, you have to be loose. You have to be natural. I, ne 100%. I never realized that. That's fascinating that you would do that. And so, so the intention was that if you threw in something new, they wouldn't be focused on the thing that they're like, oh, I want to nail this. And then therefore not. They wouldn't be focused on, on a two and a half hour show. They would be focused on three things. Got it. So I see what Three you're little things that would take two seconds a piece or three seconds a piece as opposed to 
two two hours of a show that oh something's gonna get me and I'm gonna fall on my face. Right, right. Oh man, that's fascinating. That's a that's something that uh, Dave Killinger taught me, and so I I, really? I used that from him. Yep. Nice. Another uh, war stories. Whenever I think of tour with you was uh, our Sunday evening after loadout lunch yeah. and dinner and hitting the spots all over the country because you have right. that book. Yeah, yeah. I had the diners, drive-ins, and dives or something like that. Yeah, when I would try to find one every place. I remember we found one up in was it up in Seattle or Spokane yeah. or wherever it was the the Bobby's Hawaiian oh. place. Was so good. Fast. So good. So, so good. Fast. I have the one that I remember because it was fun. <laughs> it was funny. Now, I mean, I'm a little bigger than I was on tour, but when I was on tour, I was 23, a buck 40. I mean, I was little. I was a small guy. And um, man, you you could crush. You you could eat whatever I could eat. You know, yeah. I weighed twice what you did. It was unbelievable. <laughs> And so we went to Moochie's in Salt Lake City. That's right. Oh, my God. I love that place. Whenever I would go back to Salt Lake City or I'd meet someone from Salt Lake City, I'd always go, I know Salt Lake City. They go, yeah. I go, yeah, Moochie's. And they're like, what? You know Moochie's. <laughs> so we, we went in between shows. I think it might have been a split day. I think it was a split yeah, we day had, because yeah. we had like a morning show. And you're like, hey, let's go to Moochie's. And they do subs there. I was like, yeah, I'm down. So we would always go to different, every city would go to a different place to eat. So we went and I'm like, and I'd usually just get whatever you got, right? And right. so you got this meatball sub and I get like, all right, we're doing meatball subs. So doing meatball subs. And towards the end of this sub, I mean, I could down anything because I was running around anyways, but you kind of, we're finishing it off in the last few bites. You're like, oh man, this is, this is rough. And usually nothing really bothers me. And I was like, you know, this is a little rough, like eating this whole might be in trouble here, right? <laughs> so then we have a show that night and you in my ears as we're doing the show and I'm like running around doing my lights. I just hear you going, hey man, uh, I got the meat sweats here. Uh, right. How you doing? <laughs> how you doing? And I look over at you, and you're wiping your brow, and you're wiping your face, and I'm like, "Me too." Same. Same. <laughs> right. I'm, I remember one time that right we were in Nashville. We were playing the. It was the new building, the one that's it's probably ten years old. Yeah. Um, and right when it's the worst possible time for the grid to well, not the worst possible time. But all the lights went out right when the when the Globe guys were, were going up with either five or six bikes, like their last trick. <laughs> and there was like we were we, we started playing their we started playing their music for the last trick, and then the lights all the lights went out. Someone had hit like a transformer in the in the area, and like all the power was out everywhere. And ours went out right at that exact moment. So you hear, all, you know, the music stop. The music is still playing. Where the band is still playing, but you can't hear it. Right. And then you can hear the motorcycle, and then they, they, you know, went down. And so yeah. one at a time, you try to hit the 
and then the emergency lights came on in the building, but the emergency lights for our grid weren't on. Actually, you know what? You could hear the band because our our emergency power did kick in, but the lighting department hadn't turned on their emergencies, so you couldn't see anything. So there were some there were some heads spinning after that. But wow, yeah, wind, one of those freak things that happens, and they had they just didn't they didn't have their uh, emergency yeah, power. Sure. sure, of course. Crazy. I think it's happened maybe a couple of times like that where we've lost. Uh, one time we lost the the front of house console, so there was no, there was no sound at all. Wow! So like, Did you guys keep going, or I mean, uh, you guys have to, yeah, all stop, right? And you just kind of have to hold until we no, we played, we kept playing. We could hear each other. The 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 back the the monitor console hadn't gone out. It was in the it was actually in um, it was in Louisville, and it was on April Fool's Day. <laughs> and we're, we're playing and the the it all it stopped you know we we could hit, we couldn't hear it in the house we could hear it in our in our ears so we could hear each other i could talk to them they could but the the performers were then having to it was really kind of cool because the performers were having to work with no music right and so they were working strictly on audience feedback and some of them were really good and some of them were not but like i remember no. the aguiar brothers were great the high wire kids were great yeah those acts would i think excel in in certain things but i mean what with that like high wire if they know how to work the audience you don't need music it's it's just terrifying in and of itself right and um and you can get those thrills um almost with any uh thrill act you know what i mean you can really work yeah. off of that um music can help it a lot but it's not really i mean we can put a build under something to kind of increase the tension here or there, but the act itself provides the, the real moment, you know? Right, right, right. But yeah, I mean, every, every show when something goes, I mean, those are the things that, you know, I remember with you, there was times where I think we did lose power. I think we're at George Mason in Fairfax. Oh yeah. Always crash there. Yeah. Right. Always. Always. Yeah, and little building, they, they couldn't handle our power. And I think the year after that and subsequent years, we had a backup generator on site. Because I remember when it happened and like you, people who had been on tour there before, it was just like, oh yeah, it always happens here. <laughs> and I'm like, but if we knew that going in, <laughs> right. why? Every why? year they thought they had it fixed and figured out and it didn't actually get figured out until they brought in a backup generator because it was a little tiny building little bitty thing oh it's, yeah it was at a college it was at george mason university that's actually where uh larry the cable guy was that's when he came yep. to film on our show larry the cable guy you know that guy can, he there's there are well i guess there's three people i know that can play a trumpet without the mouthpiece my son barrett can actually do it it's insane this amazing trumpet player that I knew back in Oklahoma City named Larry Skinner could do it. And Larry, the cable guy, can play a trumpet without a mouthpiece. What? Serious. I was walking around backstage. I had my horn, but I didn't have my mouthpiece in it. And he was, you know, still in his character. And he was like, man, I'd like to come to sit down on the bandstand with you guys. I'd have way more fun down there than I would in the seats. And so he picked up my horn. And he started playing it without a mouthpiece. And I was like, 
is everybody in the world a better trumpet player than I am? This is just this is <laughs> even Larry the cable guy. Larry the cable guy. So like his big deal was he was gonna run out with the with the uh, with the shovel and pick up after the yeah, elephant. Right, 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 right. And it was one of the few shows I can remember where they didn't, you know, make Do anything that. for him yeah. to shovel up. And he was there for one show and it, it didn't happen. And I was like, what are the odds? <laughs> But he was a nice guy, really smart. Oh, yeah. No, I remember uh, the time that I spent with him, and um, we did the assistance revenge. So at the end of the routine, he's all locked up. And then I'm like, I would get out, and he was all locked up. And I said, hey, thanks, Larry. I uh, appreciate it. Uh, you know, have a great day. And I walked out, and, like, the last scene, he was like, Alex, Alex, this ain't funny, man. Uh, you need to get me out of here. And, like, I'm just dying. They, you know, what they do is they, they just roll. They roll because they're right. trying to get something, anything that's coming out of him. And he's right. just going on for like 30 seconds of just staying all these <laughs> He's giving and, them what they wanted, right? Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, afterwards, when they say cut, everybody laughs, you know? Right. Perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. So that was a good, that was a good one. You remember when, um, I think we were in Jacksonville and there was a guy backstage that hit one of the the water main the over water. Oh. It was raining backstage like crazy. It was on it was on a Sunday too, so there, there was no. I mean, not, there's no good time to hit a water main, but on Sunday it was really bad because there was no. I guess they had to call some plumber or something. I don't remember when it happened at like intermission or something. In my memory, <laughs> we had to hold the, We had to hold like. 10 minutes for you know to get everything cleaned up to get <laughs> everything dried out and then you know yeah. shut off so we can start up again oh, yeah i remember that. all those all those things are you know when you look back and you say oh this happened this happened my friend norm was just telling me um about an earthquake happened when he was on tour and he was on stage and there was an earthquake and wow. I was like, what? I say, like, I've never had that. But the most amazing thing is, these are all things that, you know, when we're talking about that the audience has no idea are happening. No idea. They have no idea. Cause you're sitting in there waiting for the show to start. And they're like, well, they're starting 10 minutes late. And it's like, there's a flood going on. We're trying to just <laughs> preserve there's the show. Everywhere, right, yeah. right. Yeah. And then of course someone comes on and they're like, there are technical issues and then yeah and usually actually I, I find it funny because as an entertainer knowing there are technical issues that usually usually that is um <laughs> i'm thinking you know what the guy probably just you know isn't dressed yet and like right, somebody's not ready it's like somebody just sitting backstage going i'm gonna have another you know whatever doing you know whatever it is and and it's not really technical issues you know whatever it is technical issues they don't say anything it's just like oh, <laughs> fix it fix it fix it right yeah but uh but yeah so those are all the fun things i had a great time i mean i if i was a a ringmaster and i was like a singer like and a actually was you know the job i would have uh loved to have been there for years and years and years i just i just had such a blast it was so much fun oh it's great you know we're professional gypsies it was it was uh it was always a great experience to to travel extensively in your own country 
yeah. and get paid to do it and you know and be around a bunch of people that you like and and you know just have that shared experience for for a long time it was it was great i would go back and do it in a second if it was like it was yeah and yeah and then the train was just something else i mean that was a very very special part and um you know just made just made it so unique and i was really i'm really happy that i got to uh, to to do it be a part of it and in the capacity that i was so uh it was a blast but 